Hi guys, welcome to this episode of Fizzville. Today we will be discussing free will. So we're going to be discussing free will from the perspective of philosophy, theology and physics. Yeah. Um, I'm Lottie. And I'm Natalia. And yeah, let's get started with this episode. Okay, so I'll just jump right into it. David Hume described free will as the most contentious question of metaphysics and the most contentious issue of science. Really, it's, it's a very significant topic within philosophy and science because it is really the backbone of, of morals, of our society. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a really, really important topic that has come up in so many different senses. Yeah. Um, so let's start by distinguishing between determinism and free will. So I'll go into what determinism is by definition later. Um, but first, I'm going to start with this example from Wittgenstein. So Wittgenstein asked, what's the difference between raising my arm and my arm going up? So if you raise your arm, it has something to do with cognition, reason, desire and intention. If it goes up, then it's just a reflex action. You know, there's a real difference between doing something intentionally, you know, raising my arm. I'm doing that right now on purpose. (laughs) And my arm just going up. That implies it just happened. Mm -hmm. I didn't choose to do it. It just it just happened. So a definition of determinism Um, So determinism proposes that all behaviour has a cause and is thus predictable. Free will is an illusion and our behaviour is governed by internal or external forces over which we have no control. If I may just interject, um, the definition of determinism in physics is the idea that all particles in the universe follow set trajectories. Uh, And, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, challenge this idea with uh, modern physics, but we'll get into that later. Okay. So there are a lot of different approaches to determinism um, because it's such a widely debated theory. Um, So some people see um, determinism from an environmental perspective, external forces, and others see it from a psychic or genetic position Mm -hmm. where it's more internal, the the forces that interact with it. Um, So I'm just going to start with environmental determinism. And this sees the cause of behaviour as being outside the individual, such as parental influence, the media or school. So it's kind of the idea that your experiences, your your parents influence your behaviour, your school influences your behaviour, the media influences your behaviour, and that is what controls your mm-hmm. thought pattern. Mm-hmm. So basically, what you see happening, what you what the example that your parents set, the example the school sets, the yeah. example the media sets, you're going to follow and you're going to adopt those behaviours. So an experiment um, by Albert Bandura in 1961 with, I think it was called Bobo Dolls, um, showed that children become aggressive through observation and imitation of violent adults. Mm -hmm. So what he did, he showed one group of children a clip of adults interacting with the Bobo Doll very aggressively by hitting it. Um, And he showed another group of children a video of adults playing nicely with the bobo doll and when those children were put into a room with the bobo doll um he found that the children who had seen the adult behaving nicely with it they also behaved nicely with it um whereas the children who had seen an adult hit the bobo doll hit it themselves Mm -hmm. and that was one of his so he was he was a somebody who believed in environmental determinism um and that was his case study that proved that yeah. i mean obviously it has its issues demand characteristics and whatnot but it is a interesting study nonetheless 
Um, so another definition of determinism, which looks at determinism from a more internal perspective, is genetic determinism. So according to sociobiology, evolution governs the behaviour of a species and genetic inheritance of each individual within it. So personality traits like extroversion or neuroticism are triggered by neurological and hormonal processes within the body. Basically, that your genetic material, your DNA, causes you to behave in certain ways. So you may be genetically predisposed towards something like, yeah, neuroticism, extroversion, even things like depression and anxiety. That's your genetic makeup and that causes you to act that way. It is basically completely out of your control and entirely governed by your genetics which yeah yeah it is sad because it it implies you can't really get out of it there's there's no way out of it Mm -hmm. um so yeah but this view takes a it's a very mechanistic view it sees us as no more than biological machines and actually even consciousness is interpreted as a level of arousal in the nervous system i find that really interesting because consciousness is kind of seen as our own rational inward thoughts but yeah genetic determinism sees it as just activity in in the nervous system which is yeah very controversial what do do you think is it uh is consciousness separate from the brain or are we one and the same i mean i don't i don't really know but i think consciousness it allows us to have our personality and our own free thoughts and everything but obviously it does have something to do with neurological activity Mm -hmm. that can't really be disputed that has been shown by brain scans and everything so it is a strange issue because it's not really a nice thing to accept you know if you think your own thoughts your consciousness what's going through your head right now Mm -hmm. it's not it's not really your own thoughts it's just kind of chemical activity that's a really that's not a nice thought it really dehumanizes us in a way <laughs> and that is the crux of lots of religions as well yeah the absolutely idea that you can survive beyond those synapses yeah when, absolutely if you're one then the same is not yeah. quite possible so my favorite definition of determinism <laughs> comes from freud i'm a big fan of freud not the oedipus complex <laughs> oh, or the electric complex we won't go into that um <laughs> but i liked his view on determinism so he advocated for psychic determinism um so freud viewed behavior as being controlled internally Um, in the form of unconscious, subconscious motivation or childhood events. So basically, Freud sees what happened in your childhood and your subconscious... It locks away into your subconscious mind Mm. and that drives your behaviour. You know, Freud was really concerned with the subconscious things that we have no access to. He thought we only had access to the subconscious through parapraxis and dreams. Ah. Other than that, it's it's locked away. You know, you can't access it. You don't know what's going on there. But that actually governs our behaviour and we act in accordance with that. That controls how we act. Um, I'm going to go on to like the physics view of everything. And physics views free will in a much more, um, well, small scale. We're looking at particles and whether the Big Bang is the cause of everything and everything is predetermined because of that if we take the uh newtonian clockwork universe theory isn't it great Mm. name um it says that uh if we follow the rules of newton everything is predetermined because uh the mass location and velocities of the planets as they travel in their orbits around the sun um can be determined by newton's laws um but 
what breaks down this idea is the new concept of quantum physics. It's certainty versus uncertainty, basically. Newton believed in certainty, and so did Einstein, and so many people followed this Newtonian uh, theory that everything we can predict to a very, very specific amount, but in quantum physics, there's always this um, Heisenberg uncertainty principle. That means that we can't know the momentum and the position, well, the, the position and the speed of, for example, an electron at any point. We can't know, have the knowledge of both of these, which means that we cannot, ha we don't have certainty in everything. And if we have uncertainty in this tiny, the, the smallest possible way, it means that we can't believe determinism because the trajectory trajectories and everything is it, it's off because of the uncertainty mm -hmm. um what uh albert einstein said in that the old man meaning god the old man <laughs> he said the old man oh, does god. not play dice in german of course the old man does not play dice right what does that mean that was the reject rejection of the quantum theory he didn't he didn't accept the fact that there was uncertainty because physics used to view the universe as building blocks that we could get down to the smallest scale and um, we would figure it out. But Like dark matter. Yeah. Mm. The Now what we see is that it's not. Everything is interconnected. And although we may never be able to reach that point, um, we, we, <laughs> we can't take the universe as building blocks because it's it just doesn't work like that so would you say then that physics takes a deterministic stance or does it advocate for free will because of the new quantum theories i think determinism is rejected basically mm. it's saying Very that because of the smallest uncertainty mm. we cannot predict the future mm. and therefore there is no model that can say that free will doesn't exist yeah i find that really interesting because i mean I've looked at it from a biological perspective mm. and, and that sees, you know, that, that idea of genetic determinism is very prevalent within yeah. biology. So I'd assumed it had been sort of similar in physics because, mm -hmm. yeah, biology says that we are a product of our genetic makeup, yeah. our, our DNA that controls our behaviour. But, but physics seems to argue something else, mm. which, is, which is very interesting. Another uh, idea that came in was proposed by Stephen Hawking, actually. Ooh. Uh, and it, this was chaos theory. And it says that even if we can predict something, if there was a computer that could calculate every single particle in the universe and tell us the outcome of a question, mm. the fact that the computer interacts with the planet affects our behaviour mm. and that in turn destroys any probability it was previous, that was previously calculated. Uh, like the butterfly effect, the fact that... Um, one beat of a butterfly's wings on one side of the world could potentially cause a tornado on the other side, mm. that the smallest uncertainty, mm. the smallest change can alter everything, mm. which is basically saying that free will exists because we cannot predict the future. Interesting. So should we go on to talking about the Liber experiment? Cause that's, yes. Yeah, so we found this, um, this experiment mm. very interesting about yeah. actually free will well determinism yeah. actually being proved so do you In, want to explain yeah. it it looks at the neurological process basically and the um it was 
performed by Benjamin Leibert, and in the experiment, test subjects were hooked up to a brain scanner and asked to flex their wrists whenever they wanted to. And uh, this brain scanner showed that there was unconscious activity before they had made the decision yeah, I think it was to flex their wrists. Four seconds before, yeah. I think. Which has incredible implications mm. that we perhaps aren't in control. Yeah, because if we um, if we accept that theory, if we, you know, looking at the findings of that, that says that our subconscious mind has decided to act mm. before our, co- our our it even comes into our consciousness before we even think, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So really what it's saying is your body decides yeah. and then it sort of says to the brain, okay, we'll do this. Mm-hmm. But you're not the one controlling that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you know, that, that almost links to the Freudian understanding yeah. of um, determinism because it sees it as being governed by activity in the subconscious mind, mm-hmm. which I think really nicely combines this kind of theoretical subconscious understanding with a more scientific actually backed up definition that's yeah it's a really interesting experiment one thing i will add is um so um benjamin libet also concluded so kind of to take a a less deterministic stance whilst he said clearly this evidence shows that our subconscious mind acts before it comes into our consciousness we're not really in control of that he did believe in something called free won't rather than free will. Wow. So he thought you you could veto, basically your mind could yeah. veto doing an action. So if you don't want to do something... You can stop it. Yeah. That's so interesting. I think, though, I don't think there was any evidence behind that claim. I think he mm. himself was scared of the implications <laughs> oh, of what no. he said. And people didn't want to accept it. You know, this is how it's always been. Yeah. And when, when scientists and philosophers <laughs> and people, when they don't like the conclusions of an experiment, they're just like, nah, it's not true. <laughs> and and I, think, I think he added this as a way of deferring from right. the hardline deterministic stance that uh-huh. his experiment took. Mm-hmm. So he had to say oh, there is some conscious yeah. interference with it. You know, you can you can say, no, I'm not going to do this. Obviously, all the evidence from the experiment <laughs> points that that's not the case, right. but it's an interesting concept mm-hmm. nonetheless. So I thought I would talk about Immanuel Kant. I have to make sure to say the name correctly. <laughs> it's a dangerous place to... Yeah, be. I don't want to get um, censored by Spotify. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll go on to talk about Kant and then the implications of right. determinism, which are... You know, very, very interesting. Um, So, yeah, determinism is obviously inconsistent with society's ideas of responsibility and self-control. And um, Kant was very concerned with this. So he reaffirmed the link between freedom and goodness. Um, So Kant proposed that a rational will must be regarded as autonomous. The fundamental principle of morality is none other than the law of an autonomous will. Thus, at the heart of Kant's moral philosophy is a conception of reason whose practical reach, his, whose reach in practical affairs goes well beyond that of a Freudian slave to the past. So this self-governing reason serves as the basis for our morality. And essentially what Kant was saying in less fancy words than the ones I've just <laughs> used is that in order to act morally, in order to fulfill what he called the goodwill which is basically ultimate goodness Mm -hmm. morality Mm -hmm. being a good person virtuous you have to be free you cannot make moral decisions you cannot be virtuous if you are not free to make those decisions Kant was very concerned with duty and moral obligations you know 
if any of you know about about his his philosophies you know he was concerned with the categorical imperative and always filling fulfilling your duty and the goodwill and he thought free will was absolutely fundamental to this which i think he's absolutely right about yeah. how can you be said to have acted virtuously if you weren't free to make that decision if yeah. if you're i don't know if your subconscious mind makes you do it you're I mean, it is you, but it's also not you. Which brings up the point, like, are you predetermined whether you're going to be going to heaven or to hell? If you yes. take the religious point of yeah, view. Yeah, so you we'll go on to that, yeah. No control? Mm. Okay, so, yeah, that's actually what I was going to bring up next. So thank you for making <laughs> no the link. Um, a- another interpretation of um, determinism, theological determinism. See, I find this really interesting because I always think free will is so fundamental to religion particularly christianity you know a lot of theologians have um you know come up with theodicies to justify evil in the world and said oh humans have free will we act on our own behalf that's why everything goes wrong in the world um so really the concept of theological determinism says that that's not true and and anything that goes wrong in the world is outside of our control because we are not free moral agents Mm -hmm. but i will go into this topic so Theological determinism stems from the concept of divine preordination. Now, that's kind of a, a fancy term, um, but I will define that. So divine preordination is the belief that God has decided who will be saved and who will not. And it also means that whatever happens, if God is the ultimate cause behind everything, he has preordained all that will ever happen. So there can be no deviation from the future set pattern. And I think this is actually quite in accordance with... Um, christian and yeah um understandings of god because because you know they would describe god as transcendent and omnipotent meaning that he is outside of space and time Mm -hmm. if he's outside of space and time he would obviously have know what's going to happen in the future and everything which means it's all preordained that links very nicely to newton's clockwork theory it says that uh, the universe essentially is this wound up clock that started ticking mm. when the uh, Big Bang went off, which says that um, what you're going to be doing in a year, a year from now, or what you're going to be eating is already accounted for. Like you have no control over what is about to happen because it's all been wound up and set mm. up by I don't know, God or whatever chemical forces there are in the universe. Mm. That's so interesting. But yeah, so... Um... Yeah, if we understand God as transcendent and omnipotent, then it stands to reason that he would know everything that's going to happen and therefore he's preordained it to happen, really. Mm. If you think God is all-powerful, it makes sense that he would already have a plan for the universe. And certain key thinkers, my favourite, St Augustine, (laughs) you knew it was coming. Oh, yeah, every episode. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Um, So he, he took that stance as well. I mean, he's quite an outdated thinker, but he did believe that, everything was preordained and that god had already decided who was going to heaven it's a it's a very elitist mentality Mm. really like oh i'm already going to heaven like god God has selected me to go to (laughs) heaven um but it's 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 a strange concept because it also if we accepted its its premise what is the point of even being virtuous why would you even bother to act Mm -hmm. immorally if you know you're going to hell anyway i i just think that's that's pointless really it's a it's a theory that should never be accepted (laughs) into society for that reason um so contrary to what many people may believe the bible actually teaches well 
in my opinion, the Bible teaches that we don't have free will. So certain references, feel free to look these up and, and, and vet my references. Um, so Exodus, Ecclesiastes 7, Ephesians 1 and 2, Matthew 5.45, 2 Thessalonians and Revelations. Check my references. <laughs> um, they all see that God's plan overrides our free will. They see God as... He's already come up with everything. Yeah. This is his plan. He's already got a plan for the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that those that do good, do the specific God that, uh, do the specific good that God has destined them to do. Right. And everything else is ruled by Satan because God sends powerful delusions to them. Mm. Which I, I just think is so interesting because I'd always been taught and I'd always been under the impression that particularly Christianity emphasises the role of free will in human behaviour because how can you be saved? How can you achieve salvation Mm. from Jesus if you haven't freely acted and if you haven't freely entered that relationship with Jesus? Because, you know, the fundamental principle of Christianity is that you are saved and you go to heaven because you choose to accept Jesus as your saviour. But if you are not capable of doing that, if it's preordained, if you have other forces, if, if, if it's genetic and... How can you? How can that be entered into freely? So I think it's very contradictory. Yeah. Then it begs to, the question: Why? What is the point of religion if religion states that we have no control? Exactly. Exactly. That's why I said it's a very dangerous theory to accept into society because if we think that it's already preordained, some people are going to go to heaven, others mm. are not. That's a dangerous. Right. That's a dangerous conclusion, really. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I found that so fascinating because I'd always interpreted that yeah christianity said that humans have free will because that allows us to enter into a loving relationship with jesus it allows us to choose him as our savior and to enter heaven and also the amount of theodicies i've seen that justify evil in the world by saying oh humans have free will the reason why everything bad happens is because humans are terrible you know saint augustine (laughs) would i mean his his theodicy was that humans i mean it's quite an interesting one actually because it sort of links to determinism so saint augustine said that um after the fall you know in genesis when they took the uh, bite from the Apple. apple yeah um human nature was innately corrupted so that to me is a deterministic stance yeah. that that we have this innate predisposition towards sin right. and that we don't have free will in what we're doing because we are humans who are innately flawed and have a tendency to sin. Right. I can't believe I've mentioned Augustine again. <laughs> really, you guys have no oh, idea how much I bring him up. Um, but yeah, so theological determinism could go either way, really. Yeah. I personally think that... I think that the bible in scripture it does imply that we don't have free will but i think that the actual practices of christianity rely on free will they're very (laughs) dependent on that the whole concept of salvation is incredibly dependent on free will and so you could really argue either way that that christianity says we do or we don't have free will and science on the other hand uh, has moved to the uh, rejection of determinism. I mean, depends which science, because I'd say <laughs> biology is very hardline determinism. Think? Yeah, because that genetic determinism. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. biologically, it sees us as um, a product of our of our DNA and everything, yeah. and that is very deterministic. Mm-hmm. It's saying these are. I mean, there's no way of adapting that as well. Yeah. That is perhaps the most hardline determinism, along with psychic determinism, is saying that we are entirely a product of our genetic makeup, right. our DNA. And therefore, all actions are governed and controlled by 
our DNA mm-hmm. and our, our genetics. That is irreversible, really. You can't <laughs> and, go back and change your yeah. genetics. Well, physics on the on the smallest scale says that because uncertainty exists, we cannot have uh, certainty or we cannot have predisposition mm-hmm. or whatever. So, so, yeah, I think we should just finish off by discussing the implications of determinism. Mm-hmm. So... Obviously, determinism is inconsistent with society's ideas of responsibility and self-control, um, those ideas that form the basis of our moral and legal obligations, you know. Right. Our code of ethics assumes that we can freely choose between right and wrong. Um, in the Christian tradition, that's known as moral liberty. Probably should have mentioned that earlier, <laughs> but I've just it's just come into my brain now. Um, so that's the capacity to discern and pursue the good. But, um, yeah, I mean... If we accept the premises of determinism, if we accept that we don't have control over our actions, that has enormous implications on, for example, our criminal justice system. Because mm. if you think that we don't have control, every single action is not really our fault, it's not controlled by yeah. us, how can you blame somebody for what they've done? How can you blame a murderer for their actions mm. if it's just a res- result of their DNA? Could that be the <laughs> parent's fault? Is that his yeah. mum's fault for giving birth to them, yeah. you know? So would you say that uh, determinism is it has to be rejected in order for society to function? Well, I think that society could perhaps function under deterministic exception, ex- acceptance because right. I, I think if we focused more on preventative measures, so for example, if we focused a lot on child development and making yeah. sure that a child does not develop in an in a negative environment you know they're constantly surrounded by positive influences and i mean from a genetic determinist position if you see behavior as determined by your dna how can you really restrict that there's yeah. no way of stopping that unless you say right you you're a criminal you can't have kids that's, that's the only thing you can say i think that would be an awful society yeah <laughs> that's like eugenics literally that's, that's a very very dangerous path to go down if you accept genetic determinism you're saying that People are genetically predisposed to act a certain way. Therefore, in order to stop it, some people just can't have kids. Oh, God. But then I think if you accept um, environmental determinism or psychic determinism, that's a different story. See, I think that could actually be really beneficial in society. So if you think a child or if, if if their actions and their... They begin developing from their environment, what they're seeing around them, and their subconscious mind during childhood, then... That could be prevented. If they are surrounded by good influences, if they go to a school where they're not, I don't know, bullied, if the media um, surrounds by positive influences, their, their parents set a good example and they don't have a traumatic childhood that, that builds into their subconscious, that could mean that we actually have a functioning society. Yeah. That, 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 I mean, but really it does depend on which type of determinism you advocate for. Mm-hmm. That was very interesting. Yeah. I think I think that's that's kind of all we've got to say on the matter. Yeah. Yeah, this is actually one of my favourite topics, though. So I hope you've all enjoyed um, this episode. Thank you all very much for listening. And, yeah, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>